This is College Dame Day, a podcast for college football fans, hosted by three sisters who recap last week's games, talk about upcoming matchups, and find some time to trash talk the teams they don't like. Let's join Megan, Amy, and Laura as they break the huddle and kick off this week's episode. All right, welcome back, everybody. It is Thanksgiving week, so I know we are all looking forward to some food and some football. And why not add fun into that mix? We're going to get started with a game, and I will throw it over to Amy to get us started. Okay, so we're picking best of the best of Nebraska players' best starting offense. Megan, do you want to pick your players first? I think we should go one by one so that the same person isn't picking first. Okay, we will start with quarterback because that's a fun one, and there's lots of them. Megan, who do you have? Okay, well, since I am going first, I'm going to go ahead and take everyone else's, and I'm going to pick Scott Frost. He was the quarterback from 95 to 97. He was born in Lincoln, so he's a native Nebraskan, and he did lead us to a national championship, the 97 championship, so he's my choice for quarterback. Okay, that's a good one. He's mine, but I guess I no. will share with you. I'm regretting that now, but anyway. Well, I will go next. I'm going to pick Eric Crouch, our Heisman winner. I just love that he could run and throw. I mean, we've had a lot of quarterbacks that can do that. Actually, a lot of them have been like dominant runners, even more than passers. But Eric Crouch could do both. But I just loved how fast he was, um, like how quick, how elusive. Um, I remember a couple of runs against Iowa where he like was like over 100 yards because he dropped back into the end zone and then ran and then another one against Iowa where even though he was like not real big, like he wasn't as big as Scott Frost or like some of our order, other quarterbacks, but he was like very physical and he just like trucked that Iowa defender that was coming at him and like tossed him out of bounds and kept going. So yeah, that, I'm picking Eric Crouch then. Okay. I'm going to take kind of a sad note, but also a good note. My pick is actually Brooke Beringer. He was my of Laura, so I'm glad. I picked him for several reasons. One, he wears 18, which is a favorite number for my quarterbacks, as you guys know. He also, too, is a Nebraska boy, although he moved to Kansas when he was young. But I remember growing up and watching him and, like, what a good role model he was for just the youth and for Nebraska, the face of being Nebraska football. And I just remember the fact when Tommy Frazier went out with blood clots that Brooke Beringer stepped up. And then I remember that Tom Osborne had to make a call who was going to start with the Orange Bowl. And Brooke Beringer got passed up. And his attitude toward it was so good. He still, like, showed up for practices. He was still there. And he ended up coming in after Frazier wasn't doing well in the Orange struggling. Bowl. Beringer came in let a touchdown drive, and then they kind of shared a dual responsibility. But I was just so impressed by his character. And it was sad, obviously, a couple days before the draft that he passed away. But I always remember him being, like, exactly what we wanted Nebraska football to be. Just, like, that selfless play, that hardworking kind of person. So he is actually my pick. Although he might not be the highest on all the stats, he is one of my favorite. I um, will say, I think he has been one of our best, like, pure passers, though. Um, like He was a, he was a passing quarterback, yes, for sure. he was a passing. And he was, at Nebraska. And, yeah, he was very good at that. And also, that season that he had to take over for Tommy, he, like, played with a partially collapsed lung in one game, and then, like, another yeah. injury in another. Like, he, he was tough. Um, tough. Some stuff he had to do. And, like, one game we had to go to, like, our third string QB, but... I mean, he sucked it up for all the other games, I think, and yeah, us, like we were undefeated. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, he led us to two shot. Well, he, him and Frazier combined led us to two national championships. So yeah, yeah, that's okay. Okay, um, moving on, we will go to wide receiver next. So, Laura, do you want to go first this time? I will actually let you go first. I want to go first on offensive line. Okay. I am going to um, shout out to Cade and pick his favorite, uh, Jordan Westerkamp. I know he's not, like, the fastest or, you know, can't jump highs, but, like, as far as pure hands go, just, like, incredible catches. I think he's one of the best that we've ever had. Um, that behind-the-back catch he had, the Hail Mary against Northwestern, um, just some of, like, the grabs that he's made, just really impressive, and he's really fun to watch. So I'm picking Westerkamp. Megan? All right. Well, I'm going to pick Matt Davison. I know he's not at the top of the list for stats, but he 
is at the top of the list for memories because of that catch that he made. And he um, is still very involved, obviously, in Husker football, just a real staple there at the university. And so he is my pick for wide receiver. All right, Laura. I am going to pick Nate Swift. We as a family affectionately referred to him as slow white guy with good hands, but he is actually only one catch behind Westercamp on the career receptions list. And I, I just remember watching him. I thought he was really good, really good hands. Again, wasn't the fastest or the flashiest player, but pretty reliable. And he had 22 career touchdowns. Pretty good. Okay, we will go to O-Lyman now for Laura, and she can go first. Okay. My pick for offensive lineman is going to be um, Dave Remington. I talked about last time that we go to the award ceremony now that's in Lincoln, but he is the only player to win the Outland Trophy two years in a row. He was also a two-time All-American, three-time All-Eight, Big Eight selection, and he led us to, I believe it was back-to-back, yeah, Big Eight titles. I like him too. Well, I can go next um, for mine. I'm picking. That's fine. That's fine as long as you don't take mine. That's why I'm going to have a backup. I don't want anyone to take mine. I'm picking Dean Steincooler because okay. of his expert execution of the fumble ruski in the Orange Bowl that put us on the map. So that's just a cool play. That's a good one. I like that. Like we have to go like deep back into like Nebraska yeah, history yeah. to find like, our offensive oh, linemen. We don't, but that, that's just like a classic. Like it's just got to be mentioned. So. All right. Well, my offensive lineman is Zach Wiegert. Do you guys remember him? Yeah. Okay. He played in the early 90s. Um, so he was part of the first national championship in the Osborne era. He was an offensive guard um, and he is from Fremont, which is very close oh. to where we grew up. So I thought that was cool. But yeah, he was part of that amazing line that we had back in the early 90s. I feel like you could have picked anyone from the pipeline era, like, you know, from the 90s, like, we, we've had a lot of good yeah. alignment. Okay, so we will move on to running back. And Megan, do you want to go first this time? Sure, I'll go first. I'm going to pick Amon Green. Dang it! <laughs> no. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> I think he was a little bit overshadowed by Lawrence Phillips at the beginning of his career at Nebraska. He played with Scott Frost, um, and he was part of that 97 national championship team as well. So, Well, he took over with, Lawrence Phillips as a true freshman when Phillips got in all that trouble. And Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he kind of, like, stepped – that was, like, his – Yeah, he was, like, one of the first true freshmen to even get that job. Anyway, Amon Green. And he is also a Nebraska boy. He – played for Omaha Central. All right, Laura. Or Omaha North. Um, I think he played for Central. No, I think he played for Central, too. Okay. All right. I will pick... I wanted to pick Rex Burkhead, but he plays for the Patriots, so I can't. So well, I'm going to pick... That, that, we have fullback later. Okay. Wow, we have a lot of positions. Okay. Well, I'm going to go with Amir Abdullah. He... I know he was drafted. He played for the Lions for a little bit. He's now on the Vikings, and he plays mostly on the return team, but he does play a little bit on the offense as well. He was considered a contender for the 2014 Heisman Trophy, but I remember him playing. He's someone um, obviously newer, so played a little bit later than Amon Green, although I do remember Amon Green. But yeah, my pick is Amir. Amy? Okay, well, mine was Amir Abdullah, just because I love him a lot. But, I mean, it's a position that we've had a lot of greats at, so it's not like we're short. <laughs> I'm, like, trying to bury him. <laughs> five times? Right, I didn't have a backup, so hold on. Okay, I'll just pick Mike Rozier because he was a Heisen winner, and so that's okay. important. But yes, Amir Abdul is my favorite running back of all time. So anyway, okay, moving on to fullback, which in Nebraska is a bigger deal than it is anywhere else, I feel like. Should we do this one or or is it too close to running back? No, no, let's do this one. Okay. Okay, well, then I'll go first because I don't want anyone to steal mine, but I'm going to pick Corey Schlesinger because of his performance in the Orange Bowl. And I just have really good memories watching him so okay all right i pick two and i'm going to pick um kind of piggybacking off of amy so i'm actually going to pick jeff mcavica who is the backup 
Joel? No, yes. Jeff is the older um, brother. And don't take Joel because that's mine. <laughs> I was going to say, but Joel was yeah. the better one. Okay. Yes, I know. That's, I'm picking two, so I picked Jeff because I had a feeling someone was going to pick Joel. Jeff McAvicka, he was the backup to Corey Schlesinger, which is, again, my tie-in to you, Amy. Um, so he was the backup when they won in 94, and then he started in 95 when they repeated as champions. My second pick is Mr. Andy Janovich, who is still a um, player in the NFL. And sadly enough, I need to follow up. He had a gruesome yes, injury. It was this disgusting. Was yeah. You said like snap. Yeah, they like refused to replay it, and Michael said he saw it. But anyway, Janovich has been a rock star in the NFL. Um, Isn't he the highest paid fullback in the NFL? Ooh, I don't know. That's a good I'm question. I'm pretty sure that he is. He's either one of the top or the very highest paid fullbacks in the NFL. But because that, they did an article on him, and he spends all his money on bush light and hunting and fishing gear and chew. <laughs> that's my Nebraska boy. Yeah, and like his Ford truck or whatever. Like he drives the old truck so that he, yeah, I don't know. It was a super funny article. All right, Megan, you are up. Okay, well, thank you for saving Joel McAvicka for me. You're he welcome. is Jeff's little brother and was a backup to his brother. They were there at the same time for a few years, and then he went on to play at Arizona. Nice. Yeah, I remember right. him. So I have a little trivia question for you guys. Do you know which former Nebraska coach played fullback? Frank Solich. It is Frank Solich. Yes! My question is, can you name five current NFL players that are from Nebraska? Brett Maher. Rex Burkhead. Rex Burkhead, Andy Janovich, Luke Gifford, Levante David. Oh, Nate uh, Gary. Sue. Mm-hmm. So we've got way over five. Yes, yeah, so you guys got the list. Also, standouts would be like Amir Abdullah, Prince of Mukamara, Nick Gates, Quincy Anunwa, Stanley Morgan, Devon Zigbo. In total, we have 25 Nebraska players in the NFL. Well, thanks, Amy. That was fun. Did anyone notice a theme among my picks? They were yeah. all here that you took college. No. Do you mean to tell you who they all were again? So you picked Makavica, Zach Wiegert, Scott Frost, Amon Green, Matt Davison. They were all the 97 team. No, about half of them were 97 and the other half were like the 94. A couple overlapped. I was going to say when you picked Joel Makavica. Do you remember when we had that dog named Makavica after him? Yes, the dog was a terror. It like bit me. Yeah, it was. And then it it, like went crazy and ran off into the woods. An insane dog. That dog is like the worst dog we've ever had. Well, it was trying to take it on a run and it would bite me. It drew blood. It was hey. so naughty. Well, you're kind of like killing the moment of what I was trying to do, but <laughs> never mind. Okay. Anyway, sorry. Do they help in Nebraska football currently? No. no. Okay. It's that they are all born in Nebraska. Nebraska. Yeah. That's, I just thought of it. Yeah. So homegrown talent, guys. That was the theme of my picks. That's why I was also terrified that you were going to take one of mine because then I would have completely thrown my whole plan off. Anyway, thanks for indulging me. That was a fun fact. (laughs) Oh, yes, it's me. me. Uh, Sorry. Okay, well, are you guys ready to discuss the Wisconsin game? Yeah. How did you guys feel about the game overall? Not the most suppressed I've been all season, so I'm going to say that as well. This is a way of putting it, Amy, because, yes, I actually was, like, I don't know, I think pleasantly surprised is too strong of a word. Right. And right. did not get blown out. So, I mean, there you go. We had some great drives. We looked good at certain moments. Yeah. How did you guys feel about Adrian's performance? Okay. Well, here's the thing. I miss like part of the game because my child had a basketball tournament and um I wanted to be supportive (laughs) so I went but um Caden like called me when I was on the way almost there and he was like mommy Adrian Martinez is back and he was like just like gushing about um how he was back like he had some like great throws and um yeah he ran better for sure and yeah I I think he had like um because I did get to see a little before I left and then I got to see the end part I think his like decision making was quicker and that was something that um coach Rudu had said they'd been working on just like pick a decision and and just make it and commit to it and do it quicker and I think I noticed that um and like yeah his decision making he was quicker and sharper in that Mm -hmm. I agree I thought the same thing I mean he wasn't 
perfect. He made a couple of really bad decisions, like the time he took that sack for a loss of like 22 yards or something. That one, you know, could have had a better decision there. But I think that's not what fans are expecting. Like they're not expecting him to make the perfect decision every time. I think just the quick decision making is what we've been waiting to see. And I thought that he demonstrated that on Saturday. So that was really refreshing. He actually was the pass leader. So I thought he he did well there. Once again, special teams. The kickoff return for 89. Oh, my gosh. That was such a swing in momentum. I We have got to get on special teams. Yeah, the special teams is terrible because we missed a field goal, too. Yeah, we really struggled. I mean, that's 10 points right there. Our field goal is nothing new. Well, it is when we have a scholarship kicker who's back on the field and he's not making the field goals. At the beginning of the season, it was understandable because it's like, oh, he's out with an injury. We don't really have a backup that can do this. But now he's back. That kind of stuff drives me crazy because you know how I feel about that position. But anyway. Yeah, I thought Mills looked amazing. He was a warrior. Yeah, and that's like... Wisconsin, like they have one of the best running, like rush defense, like in the nation. And like the way we were running on them, I was just like, wow, like why couldn't we do this on like mm-hmm. Indiana or like, mm-hmm. oh, it was just frustrating. But mm-hmm. yeah, Mills had a really good game. Maybe I jinxed this because I can't say the exact language on air, but at Orgeron after they beat Alabama, yes. where he was like, roll tide, yeah, what? Yeah. Go, yeah. you know. That's what I was thinking when I was watching like the first quarter because I was I wanted to be like Jonathan Taylor who go Mills because like yeah. Mills is doing so much better we were somewhat containing Taylor for the most part but then he again went over 200 yards. Did you hear um him interviewing Ron Dane <laughs> and um they were like because like Ron Dane still has like way more like rushing yards than him like total and I don't think there's like any way that he can get um get as many as Ron Dane had and Ron Dane was like yeah he was like I told him good job on all these records, but you know, I'm still the goat because I have all the, I have like the most running yards and he was like yeah. totally busting his balls. I know. I said, weren't they interviewing over on the sideline, like during the game and he was yeah. like, all and he was like, and like all the commentators, they were just like laughing because he just kept saying like, you know, like good job, man, but I'm still the goat. So like, <laughs> he's like, it's this moment of fame again. Yeah. Was, like, but he was like doing it in a jokey, like funny way that wasn't like sour grapes. I don't know. That's funny. What do you guys think about the two-year contract extension? I think it was so smart of Bill to do it at that. Yeah, I mean, I think when people are starting to question, there starts, you know, there's rumors, like people are starting to talk, and I think that just sent the message, like, no, this is our guy. We're gonna give him time, especially to believe him. Yeah, but like, you know, we're apparently we like have been doing really well down in Florida recently, and I think just last weekend, someone that visited us decommitted from Miami after he visited us. So, and I mean, he hasn't said anything yet about like who he's picking, but, um, or paying him. So I'm not <laughs> No, but I'm just saying like, you know, if he like comes to visit us and he decommits from Miami, then like we have a part in that. So mm-hmm. I just like, I think it's really good to recruit to see he's going to be here for the long haul. You've got a place to play. Plus now, Caden. Caden will um, perhaps get to play for him. So, yeah, that's nice. They actually said it was um, the chancellor. It was Ronnie Green that suggested it. Oh, okay. That's the first person Scott thanked, I know, in his press conference. I don't think there was a lot of doubters, but it literally stamps out any of that kind of rumor. So, yeah, I thought it was good, too. I like the message it sends. It made me laugh. I was listening to... So, Mom was dropping us off at the airport uh, because we were going to Denver, and she had the Nebraska um, Sports Network on. And they were were taking calls, and I swear every call they took was from, like, a 60-year-old man. I'm like, if that's not Nebraska football, I don't know what it is. Just sitting (laughs) around. But all of them were talking about how, like, you know, (laughs) at first they would start out super negative, and then by the end they'd be like, but you know what? There's always next year. And, and you know what? We've got the right guy. We're going to get the right talent. And it just makes me laugh because I feel like Husker fans were so we're so passionate and like we'll go to the games. We'll always show up and then we'll be disappointed. But then by the time next week rolls around, we're like we're back in it. So yep. I, I mean, we've been saying this for how many years now? There's always next year. That's like all you can do so, is like just wait for next year until we, you know, get good again. I mean, yeah, that's what we do. So we're. We're pros at it by now. 
Yeah, yeah. Forget about it. Also, I know this doesn't really technically fit in here, but here's my pet peeve, and we'll talk about it when we get to Minnesota. Minnesota, for the first time, sold out their stadium after they, I believe they were at 8-0. I'm like, are you kidding me? Yeah. Your fans are that bad that you only sold out once you made it to 8-0? Like, come on, get out of here. It was 7-0, and then they were playing Penn State at home, and then they became 8-0. Get out. Like, get out. Yeah. Right. Well, it's, it's like, um, was it last year that they were interviewing someone from, like, a alumni from Kentucky um, when they were good? And they were like, come on, man. Like, Kentucky was undefeated at the time. He was like you've got this undefeated team and the fans can't even show up and cheer for their team. And you've got Nebraska sitting at 0 and six and they're selling out every week. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He like, he like tweeted us and he, yeah. And we were like, yep, that's us. <laughs> yep. Same time next week. Okay. Same place. <laughs> we'll be back. <laughs> yeah. There were, um, college football playoff rankings for fans. Nebraska would be number one. So. Oh, that's right. Well, we're the reason that Wondell is ahead in that um that mm-hmm. award right now. Okay. So, shout out for him. Okay. Perfect. Everyone go vote for Wondell. He he actually it was like really close. It was under a thousand votes separating mm-hmm. and it shot up to over two grand within the last hour because I've been checking on it like every twenty minutes or so. Sports.org. It's the Paul Horning Award, H O R N U N G. Yeah, the Paul Horning Award. Favorite player. There's four of them. Um, and Wandale Robinson's one of them. So yeah, everyone hop on and vote. Wandale's the only one over a hundred thousand. He's got a hundred thousand seven fifty, mm-hmm. and then the punk from LSU has ninety seven thousand four hundred fifty two. So he's okay. sitting yeah. at like a a three thousand plus lead, but that can go quick. So rock the vote in November, football All right. style. All right. Well, did you guys have any other thoughts about the game? We didn't win, but it wasn't the worst. It was just like a, okay, like a B. I'll give it a B grade because it could have been, like, real bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't. wasn't. Watching us lose to Indiana and Purdue, like, games right. that should this have won. Shit. This was the game that I felt, this was a good Wisconsin team. We played well. We didn't play our best, I don't think, but it was a respectable showing. Yeah, overall, I think and B is saw a lot of, like, freshmen, like, a lot of, yeah. because... Of what happened with, um, and like there's rumors going around about why, you know, not all of our senior defensive linemen were starting and stuff, but mm-hmm. like there got started a freshman in that game, um, and they were just showing up. So, I mean, they were playing with a like seasoned Wisconsin team and hanging. So, yeah, on to the next one. Well, if you guys thought we looked good or ugly. That will transition us to our next game where we actually are picking the good, the bad, and the ugly, but for coaches' outfits. So I will send it to Amy. Okay, well, you just explained everything, but yes, Football on Fleek, we are picking the best and worst dress of college football coaches. So, and this is in honor of of all of us watching Matt Roll wear the same art smock um, with a hood. week after week with a hood on it, <laughs> a sleeveless vest art smock. <laughs> Which I don't know what that thing is, months. but like, did Nike just give him that one shirt? Because like, why? He really likes it a lot. It like epitomizes like giving up. Like whenever you go through a breakup and you like sit on a couch and just eat ice cream <laughs> and chocolate, that's what I would picture myself wearing. Okay, and I, I think honestly, I think that's why he wears it because it, it's the material that looks like parachute. Like it's not it's like cotton. A wet wick. It's so, like if you spill on yourself, it would wick right off. Or if you sweat a lot, like heavy set people do, it doesn't like dampen. And also, it doesn't like cling to his rolls. I'm really thinking that that is why. Because, like, a hoodie or something would, like, show, like, just, like, follow the slope of his gut. And I feel like this, <laughs> it just, like, I feel like he thinks it's the most flattering. <laughs> yeah, but I don't think it is. I, I know, but I think that's be. what he thinks. And that's yes. why it's so funny. <laughs> okay, anyway. So okay, he's up there on the list, for sure. Matt Rule. Yes, yes. Actually, I want to do a mini game within our segment. Are you guys ready? Yes. Yes. Okay, I'm going to say an article of clothing, and you guys are going to tell me the coach associated. So, for example, if I were to say the smock, you guys would say? No. Okay, great. All right, I'm going to start you with an easy one. Okay. If I were to say sweater vest. Jim Trestle. Yeah, I would say Trestle, but. 
Are they current coaches? Yeah, are they current? No, they don't have to be current coaches. Okay. Trestle. If I were to say khakis. Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh. Although I don't know why he is single dad. Yes, a lot. Dabo, like a lot of them do, but like Jim. coaches wear them. They do, but like Jim Harbaugh is just like, are the most like ill-fitting, I think. And so they stand out. Okay. I will agree. They don't fit real well. Um, okay. This this is quite a bit of a throwback. So think a little bit more old school. The hat. Bear Bryant. Bear Bryant. Yes. Okay. (laughs) This is my favorite one. I don't know if you guys will get it, but I was laughing so hard during research. It's called the shacket. It's a short jacket. I know who it is. It's Gene Chizik. Yes, it is. (laughs) Cracks me up. Okay. Well, anyway, that was the best, like Auburn has had the best dressed coaches and when I say best dressed I mean like the most outlandish yes um because you remember when Tommy Tupperville was there and he always wore long sleeves no matter what like it could be 99 degrees out you know it's hot down there in Auburn yeah wearing long sleeves and we had friends that went to Auburn and the rumor around the school was that he was covering up tattoos or something like always wear long sleeve shirts anyway I don't think that's true but I you have to appreciate the the style statement he was making there. All right, I'll give you this last one. I don't I don't know if I agree with this one quite as much, but we all remember him as a coach, so I will say it. The visor. It's Steve Spurrier. Yes. Yeah, Steve Spurrier, yeah. yeah. I re- remember him like whipping that thing off his head and crumpling it up so many times during the um <laughs> Yes. when we destroy them and like the looks on his face is oh my gosh, I I love those memories. Um, do you know that that's why Dan Nolan wears the visor? Oh, really? That's a it's, nod to him? Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So um, I'll go ahead and start off with the good. Oh, yeah. Good. We're taking off Ross. Okay. Listen to me. Those gray pants he wears with the white polo that has red on and then his red hat. They're... I like black pants. Oh, no. Like, his black pants are good, but those, like, dark gray pants he has that when he wears it with, like, that that light colored polo it's like it's my favorite <laughs> welcome to our segment objectifying scott frost <laughs> please everyone call in okay no, well I-, I guess i was naively assuming that he was going to be taken off the table uh, so. I, I took him off the list as well because we all agree he wears those like he has the black dress pants but then he also has like the black nice sweatpant material that he wears with like a hoodie and like he has that little beanie he wears he's very fashionable i will say he looks great he does, but there was one time he showed up, um, and he had that like gray suit that he wears with like a black shirt underneath, and he's standing in front of the team bus. I'll put it up on our um, Instagram. Because it is her favorite poster in her bedroom. <laughs> Actually, I, I have it on my phone, but um, but yeah, she's filled with pictures of her kids. It's filled with pictures of Scott. He, he rocks the he rocks the gray, and then like just like a pop of red somewhere. Yeah. Anyway, okay. Does anyone else want to go? <laughs> <laughs> Give me just a second. I'm still thinking about Scott. Uh, I, in all fairness, I would also pick Scott Frost as the best. I don't love when the football coaches, I'm, I'm a big suit girl. I like when they dress up for like post-conference or like the pre-conference talks or on the way to the bus. But during the game on the sidelines, I think it looks weird. Like I want basketball coaches to be dressed up. But I like that he wears kind of more of like a hoodie, um, like nicer sweatpants. Or like a, a fitted black pant look. I don't like the coaches that show up in just the normal khakis with like an ill-fitted polo. I can't do that. So obviously my best goes to Scott. I'm going to pick, we're doing like the good, the bad, the ugly. I'm going to pick like the medium here. And my pick for coach is going to be Alex Spanos. If you guys remember him. He is Northwestern strength coach. I'm going to actually not only shout him out, but I'm also going to give major props to that shirt he wears. Because those threads have to be straining. Um, They're getting a workout. Really trying to contain his his biceps. And all I can think of is in Transformers where <laughs> Shia LaBeouf's like, why don't you go buy a tighter shirt? And the guy's like, I can't. There's no smaller size. And that's all I can think of. Is he probably yeah, buys a small and like, tries to squeeze into it. Yeah. But it just look okay. So I'll give it to him. The thing I remember about him is that time it was like 20 degrees in Chicago. And he was out there in that short sleeve shirt. Yeah, sounds and about right. He was like so pumped up. Like he was just like, 
unbelievably excited. I don't know. Yeah, he knew he was the only one like like, showing his arms off because everyone else had clothes on. And so he was like the center of attention. Yeah. And he also probably had to keep moving so that he didn't freeze. But (laughs) yeah. Okay. Well, I'm going to kind of turn the ship just a little bit here because I'm speaking good ones first. I know. This is a good one, but it was more of a statement style and less of what I think looks really good. I just, I admire the confidence that it takes to pull something like this Are you going to say PJ Fleck? No. Okay, good. I would never say that. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Megan. I hate the style. So anyway, my pick is Gus Malzahn at Auburn. Oh my God. <laughs> because he looks like with the sweater vest and the glasses, he looks like he's just come from like a math counts competition. Yes. It's like super nerdy and I kind of like it. Um, <laughs> All of our closeted um, affections are coming out. I'm going to stop talking now. I'm going to stop. Jared's absolutely going to die when he listens to this podcast. And he's going to after work with like a sweater vest on. <laughs> no, I mean, the fact that I picked an Auburn coach is going to send him into a rage. So, uh, yes, yes, yes. Okay, anyway. All right. Well, I have, I'm going to go to the bad now. That, that's okay. Okay. That sounds good. So I was hoping I could find something like really outlandish, kind of like how what Cam Newton wears. Where he, have you seen his outfits, by the way? My favorite one was when they were like, when you have to play at four, but you have Thanksgiving dinner at three. <laughs> he looked like a pilgrim. I'm not even kidding. Did you yes, see that one? Like the funniest thing. Anyways, but I couldn't find that equivalent in a coach. So what I went with, is I actually went with Leek and Riley, and it's not for the clothing that he wears. It's the fact that he elects to wear a visor that, sh- like, highlights his bald spot. <laughs> he very clearly just put a hat on and looked much younger and much more attractive. But he, like, insists on wearing these visors. I don't know. It, it's Maybe. literally a circle that draws attention to your dome where you have yeah. no hair. Maybe it's just a sign of confidence that he's okay with it. He wears I'm- a hat sometimes. I know, and he looks he looks way better with a hat. Yeah, he does. Like his face, even like when his face is covered up, because like his body is decent. Because <laughs> his body is like decent, but like. Okay, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> okay. Yes, I agree. You stick with the hat, Legion. The hat. All right. Well, for worst dress coach, I am going to go with Matt Luke. He's the coach of Ole Miss, and I'm going to send you guys a picture. But he's prone to these shirts that are like, they look like hospital scrubs, but they're really, really And it's kind of like a little bit like the jacket (laughs) that you were talking about, Laura. A hoodie jacket polo. Yeah, but he's, because he's so big, like it looks more like a tent. And it's just not a good look. It's just not professional. That's the same material of Matt Rule's art smock. Yeah, no, I think it's along the same lines. I definitely think that they're related issues, but it's a different material and it's more of, yeah, I don't know how to describe it. It's like something I want to eat Thanksgiving dinner in, though. It looks yeah. roomy. It looks comfy. It looks roomy. It also looks like a tent. I feel like you could. But to me, though, that that material doesn't like it. Like if you're going to let go and let it all hang out, like for Thanksgiving dinner, like at least for something like soft and fuzzy that like feels real nice on your skin, too. You know what I mean? Like that that looks like like cold and abrasive. And yeah, nobody wants to eat in a hospital gown. Like, I don't know. Just not a good look, in my opinion. Well, my pick for um, worst dress has got to be Jim Harbaugh because that look he has where he, it's it's not a hoodie, it's like a long sleeve t-shirt, but he like tucks it into his khaki pants and then wears that like n- non-matching black belt with his khakis that are wrinkled and too tight in some areas and not tight enough in other areas. Like, it's <laughs> very ill-fitting. Like, he, he has just got to be the worst dress. Like, he, and, he looks great. He, he also looks like he came from a mathlete competition. <laughs> yeah. Megan digs it. <laughs> I'm like, that's not too bad. No. <laughs> the one thing I don't like, that's how I dress Jared every day. Um, the one thing I don't like is the, um, what do you call it? Shoot, I forgot the word. 
It's like your glasses that adjust to the sun. Yeah, the transition ones. Transitional yeah. lenses. I don't like that. So that bothers me. So he gets points taken off for that in my book. Yeah, why Why is that? Why does that look, like, gross? I don't understand. Because I totally agree. Like, I think it's the transitional phase. It's like, okay, if they're either dark or light, but it's like that transitional phase. It just, it yep. looks like creepy. I don't know. Yeah, not a fan. All right, so... I do we want to do outlandish or just no? Yeah. I mean that's what oh, outlandish, but you can pick one. Okay, well my outlandish was PJ Fleck just because of those like heinous suits that he has to like have custom made because no one would actually voluntarily make suits in those gross colors with like yeah. the Minnesota ties and like oh everything he does. He's just gotta be this is it's just gotta be its own category because it's yeah. definitely this and it's not like you know, homeless, wrinkled, but it's like it's just outlandish. Mm-hmm. He also does like the like where he wears like a nice, really a really tight like uh, button up with a tie, and then he tries to put like a like a sports jacket over it, and not a sports coat, like a sports jacket, and then like the athlete gloves. It's a lot going on. It's it does not work on him. It, well, it's, it's personality. It's, all, it's a lot going on, and it's all extremely fitted. It's like yeah. you pour him into it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, my last pick is going to be Will Muschamp for his old man glasses that he wears on the sidelines. And I just sent you guys a picture. <laughs> Did you see after they beat Georgia? And it was like that post-conference look <laughs> when you're ready to go watch. Um, what was that? What was that Matlock show? Matlock, yeah. yeah. So he's ready to go watch Matlock, and he had his, like, glasses perched at the end of his nose. Yeah. That was really funny. He was, like, waiting for his fuzzy slippers and his, Oh, you yeah, know. it was, like, when you're going to eat butter pecan ice cream and watch Matlock. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Okay, well, let's talk about last week's games and the matchups. Uh, we are going to start with the Big 12 game at Texas at Iowa State. I would say it was favored by six and a half. Thankfully, they won, but they did not cover. Um, I had taken Iowa State, unfortunately. Amy took Texas, and I believe, Megan, you took Texas Texas as well. So you guys got that right. What Did you guys watch the game? I did not. I, I watched, like, some of it. I watched the very, just the last drive of Iowa State. I watched Texas score and then Iowa drive and hit the field goal. So that was pretty exciting. So I'm glad that they won. Next game up, I believe Amy and Maid also took Pitt. I took UNC just because of Mac Brown, and I have no idea about this conference. Um, Pitt was supposed to win by five. They won by seven. Um, again, I don't have any thoughts on this game, but what did you guys think? Um, close game because they won in overtime, I believe. It started close. It, like They hung together for like the first quarter and a half or so, and then Pitt got a big lead, and then UNC came back. It was weird, and then I, I was working, so I didn't get to see the end, but yeah. Yeah, it did go into overtime, because I watched it. was a Thursday night game. UNC does not have a good record in overtime. Pac-12 game, USC at Cal. Amy and I took USC. Um, USC was supposed to cover by 6.5. They won 41-17. Again, <laughs> I, I clearly didn't do anything this weekend. I didn't watch this game either, um, but I felt really confident that USC was going to run away with the game, and they did. Amy, did you watch it? Um, yeah, I watched some of it. Um, yeah, it's it got ugly, like, second quarter, and then there was just, yeah, no coming back for Cal. All right. The SEC. I feel like I'm decently okay at picking SEC games. I always go with Georgia, which is my pick, Probably and they have <laughs> snuck up into the number four spot um, on the polls. But Georgia at Auburn, Georgia needed to win by two and a half. They won by seven. They were up big, and then Auburn came back. But I went with my man, Jake Fromm. Yeah, so Georgia scored a touchdown in quarters one, two, and three. And then Auburn scored all their points in the fourth quarter. So they were having kind of a fast and furious comeback. But and Georgia they, off. they had a chance to win it at the air, like come back and tie it up at the end. That they went, they went for it. It was like fourth and four, I think. And um, it was just like the pass was behind him and he just dropped it like that. But I mean, he would have had a first down plus um, if he'd have caught that. So that Georgia was lucky that that drive stopped there because they would have tied it up. But the next game is another big 12 is a bonus game. We picked it was Oklahoma at Baylor, which is college game day. I called Chip and Joanna. We're going to be the game uh, guest pickers. So I was pretty excited about that. 
Uh, Megan, you got this one right. I think Oklahoma is the better team. I mean, they played without CeeDee Lamb. My takeaway from the game is I think Jalen Hurts made a case for the Heisman in that game. I still think Joe Burrow's the front runner, but I thought the way that Jalen led them back and I don't know, two fumbles. He struggled in the beginning. Yeah, I mean, uh, if you're looking at the second half of the game, I think he did just because of the incredible lead they came back. But he's his terrible. Second fumbles, his, his second fumble was in the second half, too. He Like, the first fumble, he just, like, set the ball on the ground, like, here you go. And then yes. he fumbled again in the second half, diving into the end zone. Like, you can't do that. They, I think that they would have tied it up, like, that touchdown if he'd have just held on to the ball. Like, you can't fumble it in the end zone to the other team when you're trying to lead the comeback. I mean... I guess you can, and they, like, pulled it out. But I, I don't think – I think fumbling in key moments like that, like, I don't I don't think he has a chance anymore. I, I think the fact that he was leading them back, though, and they scored almost all their points in the second half, I think kind of overshadowed it. Because at the beginning, he fumbled, and they weren't scoring. Um, I agree, though, Megan. I think Burrow's still the front runner, but he, he might be. Kind of close second. I, I just mean, I think I, a couple things that happened this weekend that shifted. I think the fact that two is out now opened up some room. You know, yes, he fumbled twice, but I mean, you're not looking at the Heisman as someone who doesn't make any mistakes. But you have to also look at what they're contributing as well. But but you know? I'm saying like the I feel like Joe Burrow, the lead he had on everyone else going into this weekend, <laughs> you had to be free of mistakes. If he'd have led them on that comeback and not made any mistakes, I would have been like, you know, maybe he did narrow the gap a little bit. But because he made mistakes, mm-hmm. I don't think he narrowed anything. I think that they like the race, they both moved on probably like the same amount of distance, like similar, mm-hmm. but he's still the same amount behind that he was before this weekend. Yeah, he did lead them back on a comeback and, you know, had some good plays. But I just, I, I think a lot more has to happen for him to take over. That, that yeah, no, I, I, I think, think Joe Burrow is still the front runner. I'm saying like he made a case for himself in the sense that I think this is something you can look back to and say that was a moment that he had where he was a team leader. He was a valuable player to the team. He was the difference maker in. I will say I think it's super cute how he like goes and like he he doesn't watch like when. <laughs> When um, <laughs> Baylor was on the field and he would like turn his back like he couldn't yeah. watch what was going on. I think that's really cute. Anyway, I mean, I like Jalen Hurts. I, I do think Joe Burrow has been better consistently all season. And so that's why I still think he's number one right now. But I, I thought the way Oklahoma came back, I mean, it was a 25 point deficit. Like that was impressive. Just yeah. mentally to stay in there and come back from that kind of. They reminded me of, of us against Illinois. It's like, how many times can we fumble? And like, I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not taking everything away from Baylor. Baylor did force that one turnover when they like popped it out of Hertz, like as he was hopping in. But like a lot of those errors were just Oklahoma, like mm-hmm. not, they were not forced. It was just Oklahoma, like, whoa, like falling apart. Yeah, it was just like, how many times can we do this and still come back and win? And it just makes you think, like, if they had played well and hadn't made unforced errors, how big of a margin of victory it would have been. But, I mean, Baylor is probably the best defense Oklahoma has faced so far. And so you kind of expect that with a good defense, they're going to force errors like that. They're going to force fumbles. I just feel like all of these outsiders on the outside of the playoff bracket, like, you can't just like eke out wins like that though you know what I mean to gain spots and like I mean I guess you know they did like if other teams lose and stuff but it's just like you have to cut down on those like mistakes you gotta like make a statement to the playoff committee to yeah well the only conference that you can get by with not making a statement is the SEC and the SEC if you just squeak by win you're fine but yeah the big 12 like Oklahoma needed help anyway. And right now, I mean, what are, what are they at? Like eight or nine? They're eight. Eight. I mean, yeah. that's pretty low to me for a one loss team. Yeah. You know, their margin of victory is, is reflected in their ranking. So, yeah. I mean, well, I left college game day. Lee Curso was making a case for Baylor about how disrespected the big 12 is. Mm-hmm. And uh-huh. I think he, I mean, to an extent, I do think he's right. I mean, you can clearly see SEC is the favored, followed by the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. It is what it is. I don't know. Um, next game, 
Woohoo! I called it Minnesota versus Iowa. Hey. I will say they did not win by as much as I thought, but they covered by Minnesota. one. Yeah, and if one, they had not missed one. their extra point, it would have been a push. It would have been a push. I know. Do you know how many dropped passes that Minnesota had? Like, that wasn't Iowa. Like, Iowa is lucky that Minnesota didn't beat them because Minnesota had so many drop passes in the red zone. Um, They just, like, you know, shot themselves. Like, their game plan was right on. Like, all they had to do was make some of those catches, score one of those touchdowns, and they would have won the game. Um, So, it, it, it's honestly, yeah, they um Iowa won and they, they covered, but it was something that shouldn't have happened. Like, it was just like... A, a like lucky thing by them that that um Minnesota didn't beat them because it was just yeah again unforced errors on Minnesota's part. But that is Iowa. Like Iowa will get teams to play the worst against them. Like that is their luck. And I it just makes me really happy. They threw a flag on a really controversial call that was going to give them the first down. Uh but then PJ no, like personal foul and I was like hallelujah. It so, wasn't going to give them the first down because it was after the play was dead. It no, more yards. Right. They called it on Iowa, and then what happened right. was they flagged the Peach dead. No, I understand that. I'm saying they threw the flag on Iowa, then they turned around and threw the flag on PJ Fleck, which is a dead ball foul, uh, which made me extremely happy. Right, but so you said I, it would have given Minnesota the ball that they wouldn't have. No, it was going to be Iowa's first down with less yardage. And then they got more. Right. They got a little more just because like it was like there was a clear timeline of when you could call them. But it it didn't it wasn't like that much of a difference like that. To me, that play had no because it was a fourth down and they got like Iowa got the ball back. The game was over. So I guess I don't know why that even matters. Them just getting a few extra Iowa getting extra yardage. I'm just glad that PJ Fleck got flagged because my annoyance with him is that he's over the top. He he is over the top. So I wasn't watching at that point. I must have been watching Georgia and Auburn. What? Why was PJ Fleck on the field? Just upset about the call? No, because his player got like it was like it was helmet to helmet. He like got knocked down after Uh the play, and he was like, I honestly think he was being over the top too. He was like, my player was down on the field, and ten times out of ten times, I'm gonna run out on that field and check on. And it's like he wasn't like hurt. Like he just. Got he, I think PJ wanted to call. He wanted the call to get the first down, but like the play was like the hit clearly came in after the ball was thrown and the play was over. So he wasn't getting the first down, but I think he was trying to make it like look like a worse thing, you know, to keep their drive alive. I don't know. Anyway, so what um, happened? Tyler Johnson was the receiver. He got leveled by an Iowa defensive back on the ball was dropped. Threw the flag, and they were going to assess a personal foul for a late hit, which is obviously that. Fleck ran onto the field, got flagged for it, mm-hmm. uh, and he's like, I have no remorse for it. I'm like, that's fine, but I his antics are what bother me, so I'm glad that he was flagged for the call. It was in the third the quarter, was, so it wasn't the end of the game. Like, he was like saying, I have no remorse. I'm always going to run out my player. But the thing was, he didn't even run to the player. He like ran... To like where all the refs were like <laughs> congregating, <laughs> so I was like, yeah. "Oh, your player's over there." If you wanted to check on him, but okay. um, but and I wasn't even like a low hit. Like, wasn't it with his shoulder? Even like, it wasn't even the correct call anyway. Well, like so. I think you could, but you a shoulder to the head is still the same as a. It's still targeting it shoulder to shoulder though. Uh, I don't. It it looked bad. I don't know that they. I mean, they have to review it, so they must have. It It did look, like, bad. But the thing was, like, it, it the pass was already dropped. It wasn't like he hit him as he was trying to catch it where it would have been. A first. It just, to me, it's like a non-issue. So I don't even know what the big hullabaloo was. But I don't think he intended to. But it, I think by the letter of the law, it was a, a targeting. They called it a late hit is what they called it. But I didn't think it was. I thought it was within the number of steps. And I don't think it was tar- It wasn't targeting either. It wasn't what he was flagged for. But anyway doesn't matter Iowa ended up winning um and that's that's Iowa though for you like Iowa will play like here's the thing I say about Iowa they are better than us right now I will say that but they will always be good they will never be great they will always be good they'll always play up and win a couple of the really big games 
but they'll never win it all. They will just always be good. And so if that's what you fans want, there's Iowa for you. So, Hey, well, here's the thing. Do you think that Minnesota is better than Iowa and Iowa played like a good game? Or do you think that Iowa is better than Minnesota? I completely think Minnesota is better. I think if they play that game five more times, Minnesota wins. Yeah. Like how how did Vegas know? Like, that's my question. When I saw that, that line, I'm like, and that was almost exactly what it was. It blows my mind. Because I think that if that had been a game in Minnesota, it would have been more of like a, a straight pick or like Minnesota favored. But um, I do think, you know, a night game, it can exceed. Like, I, I do think that, that Iowa has, that does give them a little bit of an edge. Um, you know, playing undefeated on the road is different than playing undefeated at home. I feel like if that game was to be played this weekend, I would have picked the same way that I did last weekend. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, even knowing... I'm right. still like Minnesota's a better team. Right. I just, right. I, I'm so confused over the whole thing. But Laura, you did call it, so congratulations. Are we gonna talk about who won the most picks this week? Because it was me. Oh, good job. Yes, Amy won this week. I don't know though on Iowa, Minnesota, who the better team is. Because I feel like flashy wise, <laughs> who can maybe put up a lot of points, probably Minnesota. Uh-huh. If you're team, you have to grid it out for four quarters. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's 50-50. I just felt very confident with them being at home. And I knew that Iowa was due for one of these big games that they were going to upset. And then they'll probably go flat next week. Like, that's just Iowa play. Like, that just is how they is. I felt fairly confident about my pick. I really did think they were going to win by more. But I I think it's it's probably closer to 50-50. All right. Well, let's make some picks. Hey, what was Amy's record from last week? Did you get four right, Amy? I think you guys both got three and I got four. Yeah. Well, let's make some picks for this week. Uh, Let's start in the Big 12. And Texas is playing at Baylor. So what do you guys think? Baylor is favored. I'm picking picking Baylor. Like, I don't think any way that, like, Texas, um, like, I think Baylor's defense is just too much for Sam Ellinger. And I'm picking Baylor all day in this game. I'm doing like I always do and looking at it about two seconds before I make my pick. Let's take, yeah, I'll take Baylor. Okay, I'm going with Baylor as well. This is the one I'm the least confident in, though, so. Really? I feel, like, more confident about this one than other ones. Okay. I mean, I know it's, like, a rivalry, like, in-state rivalry, like, so that can play a part, but I just think normally in those, like, it might stay close early on, you know, like, when emotions are higher and stuff, but then I think, like, late in the game, Baylor will pull away at least. Okay, let's head over to the ACC. Pittsburgh is playing at Virginia Tech, and Virginia Tech is favored by four. So what do you guys think? Okay, I have no clue. I do not watch this conference at all, based on what you guys told me. I do, because this is... I feel like you're going to pick Virginia Tech, Megan. I am going to pick Virginia Tech. And I just want a side note here. Congrats to Louisville. We are going bowling. So they're bowl eligible on Saturday. So, But here's the thing. Going bowling in the ACC is completely different than earning a bowl in the Big Ten, I will say. Okay. Um, like Louisville is in the same situation that Nebraska is in. Their football program was run into the ground. <laughs> now it's like they're trying to rebuild. So this is a big deal. I think rebuilding in the ACC is 100% easier than rebuilding in the That's Big Ten. Exactly. I agree right. with you, but I'm like, don't. I, okay, I'm not trying to take anything away from him. Good job, Louisville. Um, okay, <laughs> I, here's the thing. Whatever. I think that Pitt is a little bit underrated. I really do. But mm-hmm. I think that they're... I think that they're stronger in like the first half and like hanging with teams. And then I think Virginia tech is the opposite where they're better at like the second half, closing the game out, pulling away. Um, I am going to pick Virginia tech as well, because I do think they'll be stronger in the second half, but this is one that I wouldn't be surprised if it went the other way as well, but I'm going to pick Virginia tech. Okay. Uh, Well, I hate to make it. Three for three, but based on Megan's assessment of how they are, you think the second best team in the ACC, um, 
I will pick them as well. They're at home. And maybe Pitt will be a little bit tired from their overtime game this week. So I will take VTech. All right. Well, let's bring it home to the Big Ten. Michigan at Indiana. Michigan's favored by nine. Um, I'm going to pick Michigan. I feel like they've been coming on as of late. And I do think, you know, Indiana is decent. But I just think it's hard because Michigan, it's like, you know, which Shea Patterson is going to show up and stuff. Um, but I just do think they, they've been playing better lately. They don't start games the quickest, but they can finish them out. And so mm-hmm. I expect them to pull away and cover by more than nine. I'm also taking Michigan. <laughs> I think it's going to be, we're taking all the same picks. I, this is actually a tough game for me only because it's at Indiana. And I think Indiana's decent enough, but with Jim Harbaugh, once he was on the hot seat at the beginning of the year, after he did terrible, it has had his team playing well. So I'm going to take Michigan in this one. All right. Well, I'm going to make it three for three here. I mean, I mean, it is, they haven't been the most consistent team. I agree with Amy, but like, I just don't see Indiana keeping up with them. So I'm going to go Michigan. All right. SEC, Texas A&M is playing at Georgia. You don't know what I pick. Yes, we already know. Laura's going with her man, Jake Fromm. Jake Fromm from State Farm. Let's do this. I'm going to go with Georgia, too. I think Georgia is a little bit like Clemson. I think they're peaking at the right time. I think they started off really shaky, and it just seems like the last several games, they're just getting better and better. Um, and I don't respect Texas A&M at all. Yeah, like I feel like if I were to like match Georgia up with Clemson, I think that that would be like a good game. And mm-hmm. the the way Clemson like dismantled Texas A and M, this is so boring. We're all picking the same things, but like I just don't see Georgia not covering. But because that's two touchdowns and they cover, so all right. Well, maybe the Pac twelve will pick differently because I feel like the game day pick we're all gonna pick the same there too. But also, this is our last hope, guys. Pac-12. Okay, well I'm just gonna pick whatever you guys don't. So you pick your pick on this one because I also have nobody on the Pac twelve. Playing at Arizona State, Oregon's favored by 14 and a half. Amy, what's your pick? Okay. I don't like that half point. I really don't. That bothers me um, because then you have to have like a whole field goal or another touchdown. But I'm picking Oregon just because like they're so close to being making the playoffs. Like I feel like every game out there is a statement for them. And I just don't see them letting it slip through their fingers against Arizona State. Could be wrong, but I'm going to pick Oregon. Okay, I'm going to pick Oregon, too. I think... Right, Arizona State! (laughs) There you go, Laura. I think Oregon, I mean, they are playing for a chance at the playoff. And I think they're trying to make a statement. I think they're going to lose the game, but I don't think it's going to be this week. I just don't think Arizona State can do it. So I'll go with Oregon. I will actually agree with that. (laughs) Um, based oh, on how we played against other teams. But you know what? No. Okay. We, not so fast. Okay. Arizona State's playing at home. I'm going to try to do my best. Lee Corso slash um, Pat McAfee. Okay. So, Arizona State at home. Are you putting a sun devil head on your face right now? <laughs> I am. It's actually just my normal look. Try to yes. comb my hair over to hide the horns. Let's go Arizona State. Come on, boys. Let's do this. So we'll be cheering for Arizona State, but, you know. Hedging my bets by picking Oregon. All right. So that brings us to the game day game. Penn State is going to Ohio State. Which, Ohio FYI, State. did you guys know that um, the Ohio State fans are, like, boycotting game day? Did you guys hear about this? That's, no. Why? Yeah, they're boycotting because, well, I'll tell you why. There's not going to be <laughs> one, sure. not two, but there's going to be three college, like, pregame shows there this week fox and i believe it's cbs and espn game day are all having their thing in columbus because it's like obviously the biggest you know game of the week or whatever for no good games this week (laughs) and because um because like ohio state has been so upset with espn and like the disrespect that they feel that they've gotten from them in the past years on just like coverage and like how they're portrayed and everything um, that there's like a lot of bad blood between Ohio state and ESPN. And not only that, but Herb street, but, like, okay, but listen, urban Meyer is like the head of one of the guys of yeah. Fox. 
And that yeah. game, and so like all the fans are saying they're going to like the Fox free game thing instead yeah. of game day. And so they're like, it's like a hashtag out there and it's like boycott uh-huh. game day. And so like people are thinking there's only going to be like four people, but I'm like, you know, there's going to be people that want to be on TV. And so they're just going to show up anyway. Yeah. And stuff. But I'm like really anxious to see like how busy it is and it because like i know with camera angles you can make it look bigger than it is so maybe they'll do something like that but i just think it'd be funny if it was just like crickets and like a tumbleweed blowing down the street yeah okay but like how ohio state like how selfish are their fans their team has been good for last what seven eight years and they're complaining that they don't get any respect when they get put like they felt like they should have been picked for game days like earlier on and so like but they're not they're not complaining that they're not mad they're they're mad about espn and like their alliance with the sec which i understand and so that is why they're boycotting that claim it's like whatever i don't know i don't get it i just think that's so i mean like ohio state i know ohio state like you have to complain about something because your team's so good so you're complaining about that okay first world problems right i just don't like i feel like they shouldn't make the rest of the Big Ten look bad because we're not all entitled brats. Yeah, and they can't pick like they can't pick every Ohio State game. So it's not like they can pick them multiple they're times. Pick them when they're blowing everyone out. Like right. no one wants to see you play Maryland and win by seventy points. Uh, but I mean that's not their fault that they're blowing teams out. Like I think that like I don't know. I just find I find the whole situation humorous, and I just want to see how many people are there. Yeah. I mean, we'll watch for the drama. So. Hopefully there'll, there'll be some. Um, but I'm picking Ohio we're... State. Okay. Is everyone picking Ohio State? I am. Amy? Yeah. Okay. All anyway. right. Act 12 game. Everybody's watching. I know. I hope it's not the after dark game. Okay. <laughs> we'll have to set our alarms and wait, wake up to watch this. It's well, like 12 at night. It's not worth it. I'm going to watch it. Yes. yes. Okay. I'm very lucky. I will tell you that even though it's the only game I don't care and I probably will not watch but I will get a recap after all right well since we won't need to watch some of these games since we all pick the same teams we will be free to watch the Nebraska game playing Maryland and we are favored by a whopping four points it actually moved people must be betting heavily on Nebraska because it was at either five and a half or six the last time I checked it so it moved almost two points since it opened which I think like yeah why would you not I mean I get Juan Dales out again and possibly Noah too but it's Maryland okay like that is insulting that it's less than a touchdown um you carried away (laughs) no that's why don't you give us what do you think the score will be um, okay, I'm going to say Wandale's out, Noah's out. We we are missing some guys on offense. I'm going to say 30 to 17. I'm going to go 28-21, and I'm going to say Nebraska's going to cover. It'll be the second game that we have covered the spread this year. So, woohoo, yeah. let's go. This, this, honestly, I think is a very good bet. Like, even even though it's, like, moved, it's still, all, like, if we just win by a touchdown, we cover, and it's... Uh, I I like this bet. Okay. Which I'm, I'm not going to do it because I, I feel like that, that jinxes us every time, but I like it. Right. Okay. I'm going to say 35-17. Um, I am a little – I had that number before Amy said hers, and now I'm, like, second-guessing myself because I'm being more optimistic than Amy. Well, did you know that Wandale and Noah were out? So maybe that's why you had 35. That's why I tempered mine, because mine would have been in the 30s. Oh, no, no. Mine's based on the fact that I don't think Maryland has much defense. So, okay. I, don't all right. know. I mean, I'm terrible at making these score predictions anyway, so I don't really. We have like, all been so off. <laughs> but when um, we pick us to beat Ohio State, like, what do you I mean, I mean yes. It's all right. This is the week. We can feel it. That's right. All right. Well, we will keep our eyes on this week's games. Uh, cheering for Nebraska. Hopefully we keep our bowl eligibility alive. And we'll talk to you guys next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to College Dame Day. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on your favorite podcasting app. Also, hit us up. We are at College Dame Day on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Join us again next week for more college football content.
train, Missouri. Yes, I'm sorry. Okay, so I thought it was my computer. I was like, what's happening? It's just the train that runs by our house. Apologies. For a second. Um, yes, 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 yes. Games turn out. Hopefully, Nebraska will keep our whole eligibility alive. <laughs> Laura, you, you have to. <laughs> She's like actually fading away. <laughs> no, it's it's like those people that like those cartoons where someone's head goes up in a balloon and then their voice rises like seven octaves and like. Well, and leave it to be funny. No, because oh, we can't understand it. Okay, fine. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I literally don't move at all. Like, I don't even shift my neck or anything. And you guys think my change? No, I. I believe you. I believe you, but it is cutting out. So the, I don't know why it's frustrating. My bad. Teach yourself. It's like right. only dogs can hear you at that point. It's so high. <laughs> Benji is like losing his mind. <laughs> Benji's like, he's actually asleep with me, so he's fine. Okay. <laughs> All right. Am I good now to go? Yes. 